Hey, this is Royce Hall, your host of the Wealth Science Podcast. I'm joined this morning with Nathan Cedor with First American Payment Systems. Good to have you this morning. Thank you. Good morning, Royce. Good morning. So you are the Strategic Partnerships Manager at First American Payments, and I've got a lot of questions for you. I've got really interesting history, which one of those points is you were kind of around at the beginning of TSIS, which everybody in the payment system, uh, payment world knows who TSIS is. So I'm sure you've got a lot of interesting stories to tell there. But before we jump into that, I'd like to kind of get to know you a little bit. And one of the things that came up when we were talking about doing this podcast is you're like an ultra marathoner, which that kind of blows my mind. I'm kind of like a, a video games and like indoor type of guy. <laughs> so like the idea of running for hours and dozens of miles on end is like, why would anybody ever do that? So, so tell me like what, what's driving that? What, what do you get out of that? Yeah. In terms of what's, um, what's driving it. I mean, I, I was a, I was a runner in my childhood. I was fast back in high school, took too much time off of running, started running again, and I'm not fast anymore. So um, I, I can't <laughs> go very fast. So I try to go as far as I can. Um, for me, I, you know, I find peace and quiet on the trails. I find solutions to my problems when I'm, you know, quiet for a long time and out there huffing and puffing. Um, but I would say by and large, what, what has really surprised me is um, I, I, I think people, kind of put this this glow on it um that it, it frankly isn't as hard as it sounds um it's really you know i think i think the average bear could probably you know put together a 10k and if uh, if you can run a 10k i think you can run a marathon and i think if you can run a marathon you can run as far as you want um it really isn't about you know to me physical prowess it's about men mental capability and it's about the science of you know hydration and calories right so um once you've put you know the the, the time on feet to be able to go to a certain point um i think you'll find um that as long as you can feed yourself and hydrate yourself and keep your your mind in the game um i, I don't really quite know how far i can go or how far anybody can go um, um at, at this point so that's been just a kind of a really interesting adventure to me yeah. So what's the furthest you've gone? I did my first uh, 50 miler in, um, in April. Um, and that at, at the, uh, it, it, you know, it's funny at the, I, I went across the finish line and I'm not, I'm not fast. I'm not a podium guy. I, I came in minutes under the cutoff. It was the hardest thing I've ever. Are you there with us, Nathan? Bruce, was I breaking up I on you there? Up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, sorry. No, I was talking about finishing. So, so, the yeah, hit yeah. that again. So you're not a podium guy. You came in months, yeah, not, minutes not, under the cutoff. Yeah, not a podium guy. Came in um, minutes under the cutoff, you know, almost no time to spare. Um, laid down on my back and thought to myself, um, that is probably the farthest I will ever go. Um, and then I recovered within a couple of days and signed up for another one, right? So, you know, it really is uh, what, what, what I guess is most phenomenal to me and why I go back to, to repeat it. It's, it's, a, it's a really interesting experience to start a day in the best shape of your life and to finish that day in the worst shape of your life physically. Um, it really is eye-opening and I don't want to get too mystical wow. about it, but when, when you strip all that away, you really kind of get to know yourself on on the trail in a, in a way that I don't think most people, you know, do in their in their average days. Wow, yeah, that that's amazing. I can't imagine that. I uh, I think the lo most I've ever done. Uh, you'll probably laugh at this. Uh, 
I, I did a 5K, but it was like uh, uh, the Tough Mudder. Are you familiar with that one? No, oh, yeah, no, yeah, not, the obstacle course. It was Rugged, yeah. rugged Maniac. It was kind of uh -huh. like Tough Mudder, but shorter. <laughs> yeah, yep. And uh, that was over at uh, Paoli Peaks in Indiana, which, you know, doing a 5K, like, on a mountain, it's like, okay, that's – I did not expect that, and I did not train very well, so it was just a – it was a fun day, but man, that was a hard day. <laughs> yeah, the obstacle and, and vertical vertical can really get you. I mean, and, and you, you know, you're out here where I am, this Jefferson Memorial Forest. There's places you can get north of 200 vertical feet per mile, and it's um, you know, there's some points out there where it's not quite running anymore, right? Yeah, just surviving. I think that's kind of how I felt at a certain point. I'm like, just just survive. There's right, you know, eliminate at the end of this uh, race here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, one of the things that we like to talk about on the Wealth Science Podcast, you know, we're kind of investigating the the future of the the wealth industries and the the payments and financials industries. And you know, I think that you can probably give us a pretty unique perspective in that uh, you know, one, you've been in the the space for a long time and you've been around, you know, the start of like thesis, which is again, like everybody knows thesis. Everybody has to work with thesis at a certain point, I think. So you're like, you've been around with thesis. So you've probably been able to see quite a bit of growth and change. So can you tell me maybe a little bit about your time uh, early on in the kind of, you know, your early career in the industry, as well as where you've seen advancements? Yeah, it's been it's been a really interesting, uh, you know, going back 23 years. I started in this business in 1999, um, and I do enjoy telling people my first experience in payments. Um, you know, not at the beginning of Tesis, but back in the vital processing days. Right, vital processing was a joint venture between Tesis and Visa. Right, vital. Um, in order to sort of, in their mind, combat the super alliances and JVs that First Data had, right? So they were going to be the processor that didn't compete for your business, all about customer service and, and product and uh, and capabilities and reliability and, and all those things. So I actually um, became a temporary um, uh, customer service agent in the call center, and that was my first exposure to payments. My first two raises in this business were because Vital raised the base pay. Um, so I spent, <laughs> you know, 18 months working in the call center environment, um, and I was, you know, going to school. I was going to be a high school track coach when I grew up, and I just became invested in this business. It was super interesting to me. So I worked my way through operations, and probably since about 2000, 2001, I've been in some form of relationship management, whether it's carrying a bag and being a sales guy or being an account manager, growing, you know, share of wallet from existing customers all the way to, you know, managing teams of 75 people at multiple, you know, sort of companies within a company at Tesis. Um, so a lot of fun. But if you go back to what payments is, right, this was not too long after, you know, Vital sort of invented online transaction processing, right? They were the first, I think, to transact over SSL, right, in the mid-90s, probably sometime, um, if, if my history doesn't fail me. Um, so we were, you know, knuckle busters and dial terminals. And um, for anybody in payments that's gone back a ways, my first terminal I learned was the Zon Junior XL, right, which is a, is a dinosaur. Um, all the way to right out, you know, we talked about I'm a runner, I carry a watch that I just hit a button on and I can, you know, pay for things that, you know, get a water at the gas station as I'm going down the road. I don't yeah. have to carry anything else on me. So, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about this, but the, the, the electronics payments industry is moving in the exact same direction as all industries, right? It's, it's razor focused on improving the consumer experience. 
um, with an eye to sort of convenience. Yeah. So, so I, I can kind of see your passion uh, kind of coming out, like you're getting you know excited about this. You know, tell me, like, you know, you said that you got got in the industry 23 years ago and that uh, you just got excited about it. You know, I think, you know, people think about, like, credit card payments, like, okay, you know, you swipe the thing and numbers are crunched. Like, what's exciting there? Like, yeah, I think to, to, to me, the... Um the number of exciting humans right, in this, what I would call invisible industry, because if you're not in payment processing, you don't know anything about payment processing, right? I tell you, I work in payment processing and all you, all, you, know, all, all you might know at a cocktail party is, you know, you've got a credit card in your wallet and maybe you don't like the company that, that gave you the credit card and that's what we talk about, right? Um, yeah, but sure. the, the, <laughs> the number, you know, especially at a thesis meeting where we were a third party processor, right? So the idea that you've got agents, referral partners, ISOs, um, and ISVs, et cetera, all bringing merchants to your transaction network. I have, I'm, I'm not an entrepreneur myself, but I have a lot of admiration for entrepreneurs. Um, and I have met hundreds of them, right? I talk to dozens of them every day, people who have eked out a, a market vertical and a product where they're really shining and it's their, it's their baby. They built it. It feeds their family and their friends. Um, and really, helping those people grow, right? I talk about relationship management where I've always, uh, whether it was TSIS or Bank of America or now First American Payment Systems, um, the value that these sort of, you know, processors and, and mega super ISOs and, and third-party processors can bring to these entrepreneur businesses who are really in a silent way, right? Controlling the flow of funds in consumerism, right? In, in North America, it's really cool. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. You know, I, I know that I've, I have similar situ uh, similar conversations where I'm discussing you know the payments industry, and it's just like, did you know that every time you swipe your card, like lots and lots of people get a tiny little you know payment out of that, and you know it's those people that are enabling you to 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 make money and process money, and you know we're kind of in a similar situation as CRM Science in that you know we're we're on the back end. You mentioned relationship management. You know, we're doing Salesforce, you know, CRM work. So it's like, you know, each of those people, you know, you can look at it as a data point, but really, you know, everybody in that system, that's a relationship. That's somebody who's trying to change an industry, who's trying to provide for their family. They're trying to better themselves or, you know, the people around them. And when you kind of look at it in that direction, it's like, okay, this is, there's a lot more flavor. There's a lot more you know, interest, like what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis makes a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, just you think about the amount of times that you pay for something in your life and, and what to what to us as consumers is uh, at this point nearly instant, right? Transaction, maybe a couple of seconds, probably less, right? Almost hard to mm -hmm. measure sort of response times for approval. Um, the sheer amount of technology the sheer amount of endpoints between you and and how that money is taken from you and given to the merchants and how you know you get the bill and pay just the uh, again the sheer volume of human relationships inside to us what is now just a a, a tap or a showing your phone to a, a device right it's, it's it's crazy yeah so let's kind of dive into that a little bit like what uh what advancements do you see coming to the industry like kind of what's the future and again, we kind of look at it from a tech perspective, but you know what, you know, inside or outside of tech, 
what is kind of driving the industry? You know, what are things that excite you or maybe have disappointed you? Yeah, I, I think from from my perspective, what is what is exciting, right? I, I think um, ultimately, the whether it's a payment processor or an ISO, you you've got to be focused not just on the merchant but on the end consumer, right? The consumer wants to pay with a card in their wallet. They want to pay with you know their their phone or or their watch or whatever. You have the merchant has to be able to transact in the way the consumer prefers or the consumer will go somewhere else, right? And usually that's based on convenience. Can you take the card that is in my wallet or on my phone? Can I use my phone to pay? Um, can I access your website and pay through there, et cetera, et cetera. So you gotta be really sort of razor focused on the, the functionality that a that a consumer needs in order to service that merchant. The, the other piece though is there are hundreds of us trying to service that merchant, right? That laundromat or that restaurant, there are hundreds of us competing for that specific, you know, physical or online business. Yeah, sure. And how do you how do you differentiate amongst the ocean of competitors? Um, and where I'm seeing, and I, I, and it's not, you know, super forward thinking, it has been what has been happening for, I would say at least, um, at least five years, probably going back much longer. Um, but you see this, it started as a vertical focus, right? It was in the beginning, there were the, the, the major processors and the major ISOs that went after everybody, right? I'm just gonna feed on the street. I've got terminals in the car and I'm gonna stop at every business in, in my local zip code and, and do payments processing for them. And then you saw, you know, um, ultimately some of the most uh, successful ISOs said, well, I'm gonna specialize in hospitality or I'm gonna specialize in restaurants, or I'm gonna specialize in government type transactions or utilities, things like that. Um, and what they had to do, they had to become more than just an, an ISO or an agent. You're not just a sales guy anymore, right? You are a full solution provider. And so going back to that value to the merchant, if I'm out you know, selling a point of sale device to, um, uh, to a, a retail establishment, that's one thing. But if I'm going into an automotive dealer and I can process not just their payments, but I can manage their scheduling software, I can manage their appointment setting, I can manage the system that reminds people when it's time to get an oil change, when I'm when I'm mm. fully invested in the system. So for First American, for example, one of the big ways we're delivering value and is, is not just being a payment processor is our parent company, Deluxe, is a small business provider, right? So we have HR and payroll solutions. So ultimately, bringing that focus, not just onto payments, you have to do payments, you have to execute it, I would say not just well, but perfectly, right? The functionality has to be there, the service has to be there, the reliability has to be there. Um, but a lot of people can do that really well. So what else are you bringing to the party, whether it's HR, payroll, whether it's some timekeeping solution for a restaurant? What are the things... Um, you know, I, I think ISOs nowadays are, are really starting to realize that being a sales organization is not enough, right? Um, you've got to be a technology provider or partner with people who can bring that to the table. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like you, you see that in you know many industries where, you know, when they reach maturity, when the industry reaches maturity, it becomes like, okay, what else can you tack on to your service so that, you know, you kind of, become a one-stop shop for the the business and you know your business is more than just payments at that point is truly like business enablement a, sorry business enablement right so you know your hr and timekeeping and you know scheduling kind of tying all those things together that's that's really incredible well, 
Yeah, and it's and it's really the, the it's been a necessary answer to what has ultimately right. If you talk about just the transaction processing, it's really easy to sort of lose the value there through commoditizing that transaction, right? I can do your right. transaction for 25 cents. Well, somebody else is going to come in tomorrow and do it for 24, 20, 19, down to what? Zero, near zero. Um, and, and really, you've, you've got to be, again, providing something that is um, either either a higher value commodity or not a commodity at all in order to augment and retain that, that payment processing that is the, ultimately the, the engine for your, for your business. Yeah. So one of the things that came up in a, uh, a podcast that I did a little while ago was, uh, you know, kind of the advances versus the hype. You know, there's a lot of things that are just like, you know, everybody's all frothy about, you know, whatever. And then it's just like, okay, you know, we get down the road and eh, okay. It didn't, it didn't pan out. You know, we yeah. spent a lot of time and fervor, but it's, you know, whatever. Is there anything that kind of sticks out in your mind that, you know, maybe in the past, like, you were like, okay, that was all hype, or even currently, like, okay, I think that this is just overhyped and not going to pan out the way everybody thinks it is. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I will say, I'm definitely in the minority here. And if it shakes out that I'm wrong, you know, bring, bring me back, and I'll, I'll, you know, eat crow, whatever I need to do. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> the current sort of, I would call it the craze around cash discount. Um, to me, I don't, I don't know that I'd say it's, it's bad or even that it's overhyped, but I think. Um, I think it's it, it's oversimplified. I don't think merchants are being told what they need to be told about it, right? So the, the general idea here is instead of the really tough sale, right? Uh, and I'm I'm oversimplifying, and I don't want to you know make anybody mad at me, but instead of what I would say, the really tough sale hey, of going take in, take a position and go with it. Yeah. So I, I've <laughs> got to come in and demonstrate value to your laundromat in a way that nobody else is, so I can get the business. The the I would argue maybe even a, a shortcut sale is. Hey, how much are they charging you? You're paying $200 a month in credit card. Well, how about this? All you can eat, all the payment processing for 25 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month. There's a lot of really good people, really successful companies out, out doing this. Um, I don't, I don't think the full evidence is in number one on consumer behavior around that, right? There have been recent studies that show that the typical consumer, and I know this is a, a use case of one here, but if I go somewhere and I'm going to pay more for using the electronic payments, I think I have $9 in my wallet right now, and I'm not sure how it got there, right? Um, but if I'm going to be sort of penalized by the merchant for using the most convenient form of payment, right, which is tap my my watch, and now I've got to get out and count cash and carry around change. I'm going to go to the one next door that doesn't do that to me as the consumer. And so I, I worry a little bit, or I wonder about if there's going to be backlash on that. that that's number one. The other aspect of that is, um, and I think some people are doing a, a good, honest job here, are, are, you, are you explaining what you're selling in a well-rounded manner so the merchant understands this. And the best example in, in a, in a um, cash discount is all of that sort of fees that the merchant is receiving now that you're sharing in. Do they understand that that's now income is going to be on their, you know, uh, W2, 1099, whatever their, their tax return, right? Um, and are they, are, they, are they fully sort of calculating um, 
what you are demonstrating as the benefit? Are they understanding, even if it's, you know, de minimis, what, what that cost is in there? Are you fully sort of explaining the solution? Are you also fully understanding, and this is a huge topic, I think it's the number one topic in payments right now around cash discount and surcharging. Are you really compliant? Um, and we could spend another, you know, couple hours on, on that topic, but it's a deep one. And, and I do think there are merchants at risk right now um, because they haven't been treated honestly. Yeah, and that that uh, compliance that's a you know obviously that's a huge thing because the merchant gets you know they get dinged at the end of the day if they're not compliant, and you know what I've seen you know over the past few years there's a number of of people trying to from a tech perspective build tools that can kind of speed up and guarantee the compliance aspects. And I think that's a very interesting movement in the industry is. Okay, how do we make it easier? You know, what, you know, if you think about the barriers to entry with a merchant, gosh, there's just, you know, there's a stack of paperwork, right? And like, how do you make sure that, you know, all of your I's are dotted and all of your T's are crossed uh, simply? Yeah. And I, and I think really to me that the, the number, the, the number one and two way that I, I see the really, I'll say the really successful entrepreneurs growing in this space is they have a really excellent, you know, cash discount program that's really simple to deploy, really, I would say, easy to sell, right? Because the value is easily demonstrable on paper with numbers. And then you've got the ISOs and agents and ISVs that are turning themselves into a technology company of which payments is a component. Um, and to me, th those are the ones you see in, in M&A activity. Those are the ones you see with, uh, with, with just uh, record explosive growth where um, the merchant, you know, and I, I, I don't think I exaggerate here, the merchant can't leave them, right? You can't, you can't rip out this entire sort of ecosystem um, just because you're another agent shop with a cool terminal that wants to come in and, and talk to me, right? It's, it's, more, it's yeah. around more than just payments. You have to support my entire business. Yeah, and from a business model perspective, like that just makes you super sticky, right? Like, exactly. are you going to rip everything out and redo it? And, you know, if you plug in a different solution, is it 90% the same? Is it 80% the same? You know, what gets left off? Yep. So tell me a little bit, uh, you know, we've kind of talked broadly about, okay, the industry and things that are going on there. Like, what are what are kind of advances that you're pushing and your, your company is kind of going after? Like what's the, what's the cool kind of down low on that? Yeah, I think it's really around, you know, again, uh, we, I, I've always been laser focused on supporting that, that payments entrepreneur, that ISO or that agent and providing them technology solutions. I, I think it's, it's not enough anymore to be reliable and always up everybody is right not would we rarely at this point hear about significant widespread systems outages there I, I think they're largely a thing of the past so that's not a differentiator being financially stable is no longer a differentiator lots of us are right so you can't sort of brag about how cool your company is anymore and have that be the the, the sales feature it's really around what technology solutions do you provide? So um, what we try to focus on, uh, again, industry-specific solutions. So if you want to work in the restaurant space, if you want to go after a restaurant, having a specific technology that that agent can walk into a restaurant with and know that it's 
going to work and that's going to work for more than just payments. Um, and again, going back to, you know, small business solutions by Deluxe, that, that really, I, I think, is where we are. Um, we're not alone in the market. There's a couple others that are doing it pretty well, but I think that's a that's a pretty nice um, secret sauce uh, to to have here um, to to be able to support the entire business, whether it's you know website creation, HR, payroll, et cetera. And and again, now payments is an arm uh, or a module of a rather of a of a small business solution. That's been really cool to see. Yeah, that that's really cool that you say that as well. Like you know. I think the maybe the lay population just thinks you know a payment is a payment, but the way that people interact with payments differ from industry and different from kind of business model. So being able to tailor solutions for each of those people, as you said, kind of the, the broader ecosystem, like the you know how you manage a small business is different than a medium or a huge business. So having solutions. I guess suite of solutions tailored for each of those. It's got to be a huge differentiator for you all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, and you go back anybody that's ever worked in a restaurant. There, there's some specific things, right? Not just tip. There's there's tabs, right? There's timekeeping. There's which servers versus a retail environment where we we don't care who was at the counter and swipe the you know swipe the transaction. Um, th those types of things. And again, all the way getting down to if you are, whether it's a restaurant, a retail establishment, a, a, a boutique, whatever you are, if you have one employee, you now need a payroll solution, right? You've, yeah. you've got you've got to pay this person, and it's a it's a it's a complexity for for any small business. Yeah, I know that when I go to the restaurant, like my main thing is like when my kid hits the screen, don't let them buy anything. Like you know, they get like <laughs> yeah. Angry Birds or whatnot, and my kids are like, "Okay, oh, we play this." I'm like, "Man, that's great marketing, but." Please tell me that when they hit that button, nothing happens. Yeah, scary stuff. You know, it is interesting, though. I think, um, you, you know, I, I, I still wonder when we talk about the future, I still wonder about the day when we will no longer hand our credit card over to a server and watch them disappear and then come back sometime later with what is really a pretty powerful financial instrument that we just handed to a stranger. Right. It, it's odd to me yeah. that we still do that. Um, and we could you know, joke about whether it's, the, you know, Americans being resistant to sort of, you know, some of that technology versus other European countries. But there are, there are certainly, we, we have seen a slowness in, um, I would say, sort of the convenience factor. Um, but I, but I think, I think it's going to happen. I mean, I've got a, I've got a 20 year old daughter. I don't know that she's ever looked at cash. Right. And I, and I say that a little bit in jest, but, but not really. She, she does not, carry cash right if uh, she's got a couple of gift cards and a debit card and her phone you know yeah. uh, can, can pay for things you know i think I, I try to not carry cash as much as i can like i just put it all in the bank and let uh let the bank and the credit cards you know handle all that but the the you know the interesting recent change is you know pennies like pennies are just going away yeah you know which is kind of mind-blowing you know i i gave i paid I don't do it often because, like I said, I don't try to carry cash, but I pay it in cash. And uh, the the company that I was paying rounded down to the nearest five-cent interval. I'm like, this is new. <laughs> like, you're yep. just not giving me all my money anymore. Like, you know, it's a few cents. So it's, you know, not a big deal. But it's just, like, shocking of, like, oh, wow. Like, we're just not even doing, you know, intervals of one anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and I don't know if – I don't know if we're still – 
pandemic or post pandemic or what the ruling is today right on 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 covid but um a lot of small businesses went cashless right and and that was yeah. um just clearly out of a concern for personal safety for both people involved in the transaction why would we touch things together right um and i think we're we're seeing at least where where i live i'm still seeing certain small businesses continue on that where you know they they might take cash if they have to but they have signs that they'd prefer not to yeah uh what effect does that have on the business? Because, you know, I just think like, okay, every time you uh, swipe a card, you know, a certain percentage of that get, you know, comes away from the business that's doing the, the transaction, right? And uh, I remember earlier in the year, like PayPal raised their rates, you know, for transaction fees. So, you know, how are people affected by going completely cashless? Yeah, I, I think ultimately, and, and again, we talked about, you know, I call it the ocean of, of sort of providers, right? If you're a small business you in, in the U.S., I, I would say you probably sometimes feel almost assaulted by all the people coming to you and trying to bring you value, right, uh, to your business <laughs> and reduce expenses. So I would just I would just say if, if you don't like the rate you have, you probably don't even have to call around at this point. Somebody's going to get a hold of you and find a way to demonstrate value. Um, I still think a big risk to the business is sort of our race to the bottom on fees instead of demonstrating yeah. value. There's plenty of folks out there who will happily just take a, you know, a penny or a, or a basis couple of basis points off of your off of your processing rates um i think by and large i think the small small businesses now they didn't you know when i started they didn't um i i think back when i started it, it wasn't it was pretty rare even maybe to pay for fast food with your credit card right the idea like why would i put a five dollar burger on a on a on a debt card right it was sort of the, the consumer view um but now you can you know, pay with your phone going through, you know, you name the drive through. So I think there's been a there's been a consumer um, drive to technology. And I think small businesses have understood number one, I, I you know, just frankly, I think they have to. Um, and, and number two, um, cash, you, you don't know where it goes, right? Somebody's still got to walk down the street to the bank or get in a car and go to the bank. And, and it, it disappears along the way for a variety of reasons. It's not as trackable where you may have expenses associated with um, electronic payments acceptance. At least you, you know what they are and you know, you know, where they go. Yeah. That, you know, that, that's interesting. That reminds me of a, a job that I had back in college. Uh, and there's this guy that I used to work with and uh, he was, he was really smart uh like he wasn't highly educated but he was really smart you know and uh he was really good at math and i remember that uh i remember our, my boss having a problem with him that he knew we, we worked at like a fast food type place he knew all of the addition for all of the the combinations that people would order so he could give them the right you know charge like that's 6 30 but then he'd bring it up for like you know 5 30 and then, you know, hey, there's an extra dollar at the end of the day in the drawer, you know. Yep. So to your point, like that cash, you know, managed to go away and he managed to cover his trails, you know, until somebody, you know, somebody actually watched him like, wait, wait a minute. You know, you said it was this and you rang up that like, well, hold on. But uh, to your point, like there's a lot of ways for your business to lose money in that sort of situation. 
Yeah, I mean, a, a you know, a, a credit card machine, right? A, a point of sale software um, uh, is is never out of balance, right? I mean, I remember being a kid yeah. working at the local grocery store, being a cashier, and one night, you know, there was a miscount on my register of the cash, and they paid me an extra three hours to stay until they figured it out, right? I had done nothing wrong. They found what had happened, and I walked away with, you know, what was probably another, you know, fifteen bucks at that point. Um, but it cost them fifteen dollars to, you know balance the register it's it's ridiculous whereas the credit card sales for that day you know nothing, nothing wrong there yeah always right you know that, that's uh one, one of the things that i think about about uh you, you mentioned uh I, I think you mentioned kind of wireless um uh transactions i think of like uh you know here in louisville you know kind of where we are you know you can go over the bridge and you have like the little transponder and you just have it set up on you know uh, some sort of credit system and it just automatically deducts from your your bank uh, or your you know the cash pile that you've given them to hold on to you know i wonder if there's you know we've we've kind of seen a couple of people play around with that with like grocery stores where it's like you know the attendant free grocery store you just walk yes. in and walk out and it tracks your payment you know do you see that like becoming a, a bigger thing in the future or is I, that I do, kind of I, a flash in the pants sort of thing no, I, I, I think we have to, and, I, and I'm putting on my, you know, crystal ball hat a little bit, and I don't, I don't think it's so, you know, it's not the Jetsons out there, right? It, it really, I mean, it was in the early 2000s, I think the Piggly Wiggly, right? Of all, of all things, there's a grocery <laughs> store called the Piggly Wiggly, their logo hey, is literally a pig. I grew up in pig. Piggly Wiggly. Yeah, so yeah. their logo is literally a pig, and, and they were the first, I think, biometric sort of grocery store or biometric, really? you know, merchant in, in the United States. Um, you know, fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure that that's the case. And we have I to think, look that up. <laughs> you know, when I was thinking about advancements, RFID right over the freeway is, is probably the, the greatest example. I really think there's going to come a day when we, the consumers, are going to walk into a store and we're going to start thinking to ourselves, I eat at this restaurant all the time. I buy my clothes here all the time. You know me. Why do I need to pull out my card, open my phone, show you my watch, give you some, you know, it, 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 what, why, why do I need to be authenticated anymore? Um, I really think is, is sort of, at least in the consumer experience, I, I, I think that's, I think that's where we're, we're headed generally um, in, in payments. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a fascinating, like breaking the, you know, breaking it down to the authentication layer, like what is that credit card really about? It's about, you know, authenticating who you are so that we can get to your funds. I hadn't quite thought of it like that. That's, you know, kind of an interesting concept of breaking the the credit down to payment and authentication, and kind of stripping that back. Yeah, it'll be yeah, interesting. Yeah, if we really, get really yeah, well, you think about the the value. So if, if um, two stores next to each other, they have the same polo shirt that I like to wear, and they're the exact same price. I'm going where it's easier to buy, period. Oh, yeah. We're just ordering it online. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, one thing that I always like to ask uh, people who come on the show is, what is your superpower? And, you know, that's not necessarily like you obviously have a superpower of like you're able to run 50 miles at a time, like without uh, without dying. That's pretty amazing. But, uh, you know, what what's your what's your superpower? 
Yeah, I think um, mine, and it's not it's not glamorous, um, but I think back to my experiences with my with my leaders and kind of what I've been, what I've been told about myself and why I've been put in the positions I've been put in with with partners, etc. Um, is really I would call it an ability to stay calm, an ability an ability to stay level headed. I don't get excited. Um, why I, why I would say if you want to say superpower, I'd say that's super important in this space. Um, you know, we all come to work every day. We've, we've got to plan what we're going to do, right? Monday through Friday, here's what I need to accomplish this week, this month, this quarter, this year, next year. I know where I'm headed. I've got that North Star. And then a bomb goes off on your desk, right? The world is falling apart because, you know, something bad happened. Um, and you can waste a lot of energy not solving the problem. You can waste a lot of energy mm not inspiring yourself, not inspiring the people around you, not inspiring the customer who is relying on you to come through for them. Um, and I've, I've really found that um, people behave how they're treated, right? And whether it's an irate customer on the phone or a team that's in crisis because they, something difficult has come up that they've got to deal with, I've just found being able to take a breath, being able to be a calming presence, um, not only sort of affects the mood of everyone, but it really affects the ability to get things done. People do not think clearly when they're in a fog or when their emotions are high. So I really think, um, you know, where I think back to my best sort of leadership experiences and customer crisis experiences, I've, I've always um, just realized that ultimately all will be well. Yeah, that that's powerful. You know, I, I think of times when you know, I was kind of in that fog and like, you know, emotionally distraught and, you know, everything just, you just execute everything so much slower. Yes. Not because you're not, not because your talent level went down or anything like that. It's just, we spend a lot of time worrying and. Or, or the opposite of that, right? Yeah. The opposite of that, you hurry and because you don't have time to make a decision or you choose that you don't have time to make a decision you make a bad decision ultimately when you really could have could have made a good one yeah well nathan thanks for joining me today i appreciate it awesome I, yeah this this has been a lot of fun i appreciate it all right well you take care man all right take care thank you Royce.